0: Hi, everyone. This is the 10 Minute Money Podcast. I am John Dyer. And as always, I'm joined by Paul Erickson. And this week, we're going to look at some tips on what you should look at for buying a house or car. I always get this question from clients. And I thought it'd be a good thing to talk about. Hey, good morning, John. Um, I always have clients ask
1: me, you know, the same thing, you know, what's What's the best way to, you know, buy a house? How much should I spend on mortgage payments? Um, You know, what is your opinion, John, in terms of how much somebody should spend on a mortgage?
0: So on a mortgage, uh, so you should always look at including principal interest, real estate taxes, and homeowner's insurance and lump that all together And your payment should not exceed 28% of gross income. And it should be around 30% of gross income for renters. But um, one thing you should always look at too for first-time homebuyers, because I always get this question for first-time homebuyers, and I think that they shouldn't exceed 28% of uh, gross income uh, on the largest income earners income. So if there's a husband and wife, we shouldn't group it together. It should just be based on the largest income earner. And the reason for that is typically first-time homebuyers are going to have kids and then they're going to see a reduction of income within their first five years of living together. And you don't want to be in a tight spot after you buy that big mortgage for your first house. So hmm. uh, that's that's a, a tip I would consider. Yeah, no, that's
1: a good tip. So Just for easy math, if you know there's a married couple, husband and wife, and they're each making a hundred thousand dollars, are you saying that the mortgage payment should be under twenty eight hundred dollars a month?
0: So typically, I base it on uh, the total annualized, and and so it should be about twenty eight thousand dollars total uh, for, for the year. Uh, so $28,000 total, uh, that breaks down to about, uh, $2,300 a month. And that, that includes everything. But, um, so you were, you're saying on a couple, so I would, I would cut that in half. I would cut that in half. And if if they're each making 50 and kind of look at it that way, or, or if one of them's making 70,000, I would just base it on, on that income earner. Great. Now, a lot of my
1: clients have kids, and they're now starting to buy their first homes. Any any tips on first time buyers?
0: So my first tip is uh, I would use a Roth account to save for uh, save for your house. So really. W- the the advantage of using a Roth account is you can put money into it; it grows tax free. And then if you're going to use it for education and first-time homebuyers, uh, the government lets you take it out tax-free as well. Can so, they take out the whole amount from the Roth? Yes, they can take out the whole amount for a Roth, and that's all tax-free uh, for first-time home buyers. So it's a pretty nice little bonus there.
1: That is, because I thought on the traditional IRA, I thought it was like a max of 10000 that they could take out a traditional, so that's good information that they can take the whole Roth out.
0: Yeah, so they can take the whole Roth out. Uh, and then um, another another thing for first time home buyers is they usually um, they they usually get surprised when their taxes jump after the first year. So just keep in mind that your uh, usually when your mortgage company you escrow everything. They base the taxes on the previous homeowner and not the new amount that you're, you're uh, that you just bought the house at, which is typically higher. So uh, each each city has their own calculator typically where you can calculate your taxes. So I would I would go to that city's um, website and calculate your taxes. And when you're figuring out how much you're going to spend on your house, use that calculator for your taxes. And then, and then figure out how much your insurance is going to cost and then lump that all together and then figure that off of 28% of your gross income.
1: Gotcha. Now, what what do you, you know, I always talk to people, some people don't want to put much down on a house, put in the down payment.
0: What do you recommend for the down payment, John? So I am old school. I recommend putting 20% down on a house. And or whatever you can to avoid PMI. I know there's some yeah, that's some a good point. different kind of loans you can get nowadays where you can avoid PMI. But definitely whatever you can do to avoid PMI. Uh, so you might want to. The other thing to do uh, too is shop around different uh, companies and get the best interest rate you can get. And I recommend a thirty year fix. Mm-hmm. So don't go with some of these other um, other mortgages where you could have some balloon payments and things like that. I would just, I agree. You're old school 30 year fixed and you're, you're set at that, at that interest rate.
1: Right. I just, yeah, I think in that scenario, you're right. Simple is better. Don't go with the balloon payments or anything that can fluctuate your payments.
0: Yeah. And, and the other thing too, is, uh, with, with the, uh, fixed, uh, so, so the other thing too, people ask me is uh, um, whether they should go with a fifteen or thirty year uh, or twenty. I typically try to, I just say stick with a thirty year and try to pay it off if you have the discretionary income to, and you can pay it off earlier. But the reason for that is if you get in a jam um, and one, if someone loses their job or you get. Um, uh, something happens, you have that uh, extra income. You don't have to make that mortgage payment or, or you have less income. You don't have to to stress to make your mortgage payment. You have yeah. a little more leeway, a little more cash flow. I wish I talked to you three
1: years ago, John. I just did a, a 15-year mortgage thinking I was doing the right thing. But yeah, that makes
0: sense. Yeah. So that's something else I, I typically talk to people about. So that that's Pretty much it with the homes, Yeah. I think. um,
1: Yeah, so I also get clients all the time asking me about cars, buying a car versus leasing a car. Um, Do you have any recommendations on that?
0: Yeah, buying a car versus leasing a car is one we get all the time, and we recommend... You should always buy your car if you plan on having it more than six or seven years. The break even points around six or seven years. So if you're going to have it longer than that, then you should just buy the car um, and, and you'll be better off uh, doing it that way. Yeah.
1: And then what do you, do you have any recommendations on
0: how much should should someone spend on a car? So that's another good one. So car payments should never exceed more than 15% of your take-home pay monthly. So uh, let's say you, you're, so this is your pay after taxes. So let's say after taxes you you uh, net out about $2000 a month okay so 15% of that is around $300 so all right that's that's kind of what you should be aiming for so 15% of your take home pay yes okay yeah so um and then uh millionaires so if you if you're a millionaire out there you should always buy the cheapest car your ego can afford. <laughs> I like it. So That's yeah, just one. just spend as little as you can because cars are depreciating assets. So right, right. spend that money better elsewhere. That's great advice. Now, John, you know this is something
1: I never really thought of before. But you know, how much should somebody, if somebody has a large repair bill, you know, what what should they consider uh, before spending a lot of money on a large repair bill?
0: So uh, that's another good question. Uh, so if your auto repair costs are uh, less than half your trade-in value, then you should repair your car. Okay. Otherwise, just trade it in and, and get a new car. So you're better off a, at that point just trading it in and, and going with something else. At that okay. Point. So 50% of the car
1: value is really where the tipping point is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 15, okay.
1: Fifteen or, uh, sorry, 50% of the, of the value. No, that's great advice, John. I think, uh, that really does make sense.
0: Yeah. So, um, uh, the other thing, um, I forgot to mention, uh, with the home, uh, and you brought up something with the repairs, right? Yes. Um, with home repairs, I forgot to mention that, uh, people always ask me, uh, how much, they should set aside for home repair. So I, again, I'm old school. I think everyone should have three to six months worth of cash set aside for emergencies. But a lot of people don't have that. A lot of right. Americans don't have that much yeah. in their bank account. I think the, right. the average, I didn't
1: on my first house. I know I didn't.
0: I think the average bank account is like $2,000 or something like that, okay. which isn't enough. Right. So what do you do? So I suggest uh, if you have a house and you have a little bit of equity in it is Getting a home equity line of credit and only using that on home, small home repairs and emergencies. So like people have a, a furnace that might break down or something that way they can ac- have access to some uh, money and, um, and and make those repairs for their house. Love it. No, I think that's great advice, John. So, so that is it for this week. Uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you. John and Paul are financial advisors with Royal Oak Financial Advisors in Michigan, a fee-only RIA who specialize in helping their clients better understand their investments. If you watch the pennies, the dollars will come.